All right. We're going to talk about some jobs here. I've been in the same job for 26 years in broadcasting Wow. and you've, you've had your job right now. How long have you been there? I, I'm into my 12th year. Yeah. yeah. And you did a long stretch in news before that. Well, so it's funny. I've always thought of myself as a news person. I'll tell people, you know, I used to work in the news, but I've, I only did that for five years. And now I've been with this Vancouver school district producing television oh, programming wow. for 12 years. So really I, I dabbled in news at this point. But five years in news years is like a hundred years in another job. You know that. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, did you have a lot of jobs when you were younger, high school, college? Well, I was lucky that I didn't have to get a job before I graduated high school. My parents wanted me to get better grades and they thought I would be distracted if I had a job. And little did they know that it didn't matter what else I was doing. I wasn't going to get good grades. Uh, Cause I, it wasn't the job distracting. No, you. no. It was yeah. because I was smart enough to like do nothing and pass my classes. And I was yeah. satisfied with C's, but anyway, that's not what you asked me. Uh, yeah, I had, I worked at Superplay. was my, well, my first job was Boston market. I got a job there the mm, summer before my senior year. Cause my buddy Chuck, he wanted to get a job and he's like, come on down. And the guy's like, you want to interview too? And I'm like, okay, sure. So I interviewed and I said, I just made the all-star baseball team. And I'm like, okay, but I have a schedule. I have to be able to be at these practices and games. He's like, no, we'll work around it. No problem. All right, great. So I interview. First day we go, we start off at the uh, dishwasher station. He's like, you're going to wash dishes pointing at me. You're going to make biscuits or, or cornbread. And then we'll switch it. But they never switched us. So for a week, I was washing dishes and it was really hard work. That is my a first very job. hard job. I've worked in a lot of kitchens. And they just opened up this restaurant. So they didn't have the closing thing down right. So they, we couldn't get out on time at, at all. So every day was a 12 hour work shift and I'm 16. So it's wildly illegal. And like, they wouldn't let us go. Like he physically would close the door and not let us out until the kitchen was closed at 2 AM and our parents had to come get us. Cause we didn't drive oh. yet. It was very, I quit after one week, Chuck stuck oh, it out. Man. So that was my first job, but, but my best job when I was a kid, the one that I probably would go back and do again was I was a basketball camp director in college. Oh, so I would fun. run kids basketball camps in the summer and every week we're at a different place. Got to travel all over the Northwest doing that. That was an awesome job. Oh, that's great. I had a ton of jobs. I, my first job, I was only 14 and I worked at the five and 10 in West Concord, which was like penny candy and hardware and everything else. How and old I love are that you? Job. Um, I know pay? it was They're... like an old fashioned store then. Um, and it was such a great job because a bunch of kids that I went to high school with worked there and it was just like socializing. I mean, we would kind of work, but it was really fun. Then I worked in a bagel store for years. I babysat. I worked in an ice cream shop. I worked at a soda fountain. I know I sound like, a, this is like, like yeah. I grew up in the fifties. I was a <laughs> soda grew up in Coney truck. Island in the twenties. <laughs> I had so, I mean, the towns that I lived in, the two towns that I lived in were sort of like little tiny touristy towns. So it was mm -hmm. um, a lot of cool job opportunities. Was and then when I got to college, I. Was it hard for you when the yeah. Great Depression hit? Seriously. Well, you know, I had to work to buy juice so we wouldn't suffer from scurvy. I don't even know. The scurvy <laughs> thing, the depression. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to put myself in the depression here. Uh, I had some really cool jobs when I went to college and the best one, and it just sort of fell in my lap. Um, I lied to my parents and told them I had an internship for the summer so I can live in an apartment in Boston and they would pay my rent. I had no internship and I knew I wouldn't get one. I just wanted to party in Boston for the summer. So I got a bunch of random jobs so I can buy beer and go out. And one of them was 
the parking validation stamper person at the Boston University bookstore. I walked in. I said, do you have any job openings? And the guy's like, can you do this? And he stamped something. And I said, yeah. And he's like, you're hired. <laughs> and I would just stamp someone's parking validation in a window at the bookstore, um, which turned into Barnes and Noble while I was there. And that's it. I got paid time and a half on Sundays, which was a lot of money for stamping people's parking validation. And they let me take any books off the shelf that I wanted. And I would just read all day and get paid to validate people's that's great i mean i probably wouldn't want that job as a 48 year old woman but it was pretty nice why not read books all day yeah you're trying to relax from the night before recover people are generally chill yeah they were really chill like old ladies at the bookstore it was awesome that's incredible so do your parents know did they ever find out that you lied um no and they're not going to listen to this podcast my mom won't figure out how to listen to it so good well, let's talk trash then. I've noticed about your mother. No. Welcome to Film Swap, a podcast where we challenge each other to watch the movies that we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reason. I'm Nick Bowl. And I'm Angelica Thornton. And today we're talking about Hot Fuzz. Sergeant Nicholas Angel, expert in hand-to-hand -hand combat, armed response, and high-speed pursuit. He was so good, they reassigned him. Right. You've been making us all look bad. There's one thing you haven't taken into account, and that's what the team is gonna make of this. Statistically, Sanford is the safest village in the country. Now, this big city cop. You ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air? No. You ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? No. Must learn. Is it true that there is a place in a man's head that if you shoot it, it will blow up? How to think small. Morning, the swans escape. The swans escape. Can you describe it to me? About two foot tall. Yep. Uh, long, slender neck. That's just going to scare it. But in a place where not much goes on. Watch this. <laughs> a whole lot is about to go down. All right, Angelica, it's hot fuzz. It's action. It's comedy. Came out in 2007, directed by Edgar Wright and written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, starring Pegg, Frost, Timothy Dalton, Jim Broadbent, and a whole bunch of other great ringers. The film is about two police officers investigating a series of mysterious and gruesome deaths in a West Country village called Sanford. It is the second and most successful film in the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, succeeding Shaun of the Dead and followed by The World's End. Over 100 action films were used as inspiration for developing this script, which was shot in England. It grossed $80 million worldwide against a budget of 12 to $16 million, making it a very successful movie. It has a great critical reviews in 2020 empire magazine named it the 67th greatest film of the 21st century i would rate wow. it higher yeah what do you think i am not a huge fan of the buddy cop genre um but this was excellent just delightful from the very start um the first second third and fourth characters Made me so happy. I mean, there were cameos, right? We got Martin Freeman, Steve Coogan's cameo, along with Bill Nye. Then Kate Blanchett. I didn't even realize that was her until I did some digging around after. I, the I don't eyes. Know, 
the eyes Maybe, didn't give it yeah, away. It the, I mean, I, I, it might have registered, but I was sort of trying to pay attention to everything that was going on. If you haven't seen the movie or you don't remember, she plays a, a police inspector who's wearing a mask and all you see is her eyes. Yeah, it is so English. It is so deadpan and it is perfect, in my opinion. Uh, there are two other action films that I like in my life. Um, in Bruges mm-hmm. and Gross Point Blank. And this, I I want to say I like this one even more than In Bruges. I don't know. They're all pretty perfect. This was so good. I loved it. I loved it. The pacing now you've described, was perfect. Everything was perfect. You've described action comedies there as your favorites. Are there any action, straight up action movies you like? I mean, I like them, but nothing that stands out in my mind. Die, nothing, die nothing I'm going to... Nothing I'm going to go back and watch repeatedly as one of my favorite movies. Like nothing there where I'm like, I'm depressed. I need to have a movie in the background and I'm going to play that movie. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. Okay. Interesting. So you're not approaching this movie from some the perspective of someone like me, I guess. I don't love every action movie, but I have an appreciation for action films. And so it's interesting that you just liked it straight up as a comedy then. Exactly. Yeah. It's so good. Um, I just... I was worried when I was watching it and then when it ended because I don't have anything bad to say about this movie. Like, I think it was a perfect movie. I agree. And and that's kind of why I picked it. And and I think part of my affection for it is, you know, I, I think it's very funny. First off, I love the action movie references, although many of them I didn't get the first several times I saw it because I hadn't seen the movies yet. And some of them I've gone back and watched. And now I mm-hmm. get it. But one of the things I love about it is I'm sort of an Anglophile um, I've been to England three times in my life and I love it. And I've been to, you know, London three times, but I've also been into the country a little bit where they shot this, you know? Uh, and so it's just really fun to see something familiar and someplace that I really enjoy. You know, I, I love uh, the pub culture is really fun and you get a bit of that in this movie and this, this idea of just this beautiful countryside village where, you know, mystery lurks underneath is, is pretty enticing to me. It's great. I want to go on a vacation and like relive the movie. Obviously, everything blows up in the end. So this quaint little English English countryside isn't what you thought it would be. But I am also an Anglophile. Um, I love any British comedy. I love so many of like Ricky Gervais's new show, Afterlife. I think we, we talked about this once before. I don't know if you started watching it. I haven't seen it, no. But I love those small English town characters. They're just so great. Um, You know, the British version of The Office. I mm. love it. So I just thought this was so good. Um, And I don't, I don't think, I mean, this, this celebrates action movies, it felt like, and mm-hmm. really wasn't making fun of them like the other guys is a very funny movie but that's you know obviously a spoof and it's a parody and i don't feel like this was doing that there was like something so cool about this where it's like no this is this is this is perfect it's perfect it's a perfect movie yeah these this is a loving homage rather than a takedown it's it's and it's also interesting to me that um it's about it's it's warm inside it's about yeah. finding your people and it's about you know because danny and uh N- nicholas angel as they say at the beginning of the movie which i say all the time for no apparent reason they're they're both sort of adrift and they find each other it's an odd sort of platonic love story yeah but- i that that's exactly the point i was trying to make but you're just smarter than me um True. the warmth of a show like afterlife and i think there there's only 
I guess the, the Brits are better at pulling this off than we are. And I thought that every single character in this movie was great. There were no wasted characters, no wasted line. Like it was such an efficient movie to me. It was and, so tight. And it's a long movie too, which which speaks not just to the fact that the writing was tight, but it, there was a lot that they crammed in there that all kind of worked, including the the sort of the fake out endings, which are fun because yeah. you see that in action movies all the time. The villain's dead. No, he's not. And they yeah. they they kind of do that a little bit and these implausible explosions people survive. And yeah, so to, to pull that off and not have it feel hackneyed or over the top or overly long is really an impressive, impressive achievement. Yeah, this script was fantastic. Um, there were so many lines where I was howling because I thought it was so funny. Um, Can you think of one off the top of your head? I, I wrote a couple down when they're in the pub and he's got and he's like, you've got a mustache. And he goes, I know. And it was <laughs> yeah. so dry and so perfect. The, the Andes, um, great characters. Yes, yes. Janine used to say, I love my peace lily more than I loved her. Is that why you split up? Because you did it with a plant? No, no, no. <laughs> That's great. Um, Nicholas on the phone impersonating Michael, the trolley boy mm -hmm. um, on the phone with Skinner. Yarp, yarp, narp. Yeah. <laughs> almost fell off the couch. It was so good. Um, Danny in the argument with Nicholas. I can't even say this. He's not Judge Judy in the execution. <laughs> <laughs> Every time that makes me laugh. I've, and I've seen this movie 10 times at least. What about the two Andes in the market when the shootout is happening? It's all right, Andy. It's just bolognese. <laughs> all right, and there's one more. There's one more I um I loved. I wrote it. I wrote it in my notes on my phone. Agnostic. I think I have a cream for that. <laughs> it was so good. And I honestly I haven't laughed that that hard at a movie in a really long time. I'm glad to hear that. I it, Again, I have seen this movie at least 10 times and I still laugh out loud when I watch it. That tells you how funny it is. One of my favorite scenes and one of the most like a huge meme you see all over the Internet, a gif when the Andes are staring at Simon Pegg's character and one of them's in frame and the other one is, too. And he drifts out of frame and then comes back in briefly and then drifts back out. So funny. Every time, just oh, the ridiculous. And what's so funny, too, is so one of the Andes is Patty Considine who's a great Irish actor. If you're watching house of the dragon, he's the King who, in the, in the show. So he's made his bone. He was in, in, in America, Jim Sheridan's great movie um, from the early two thousands. Like he's made his bones as a dramatic actor and just seeing him play this over the top is so funny to me because it's so contrary to everything yeah. else he's ever been in. Yeah. And then Rafe Spall, who plays the other Andy was in Shaun of the dead. He was the punk teenage kid that Sean worked with. You've got red on you. And now he's like a grown up, with this ridiculous mustache yeah. and he's gone on to a lot of success there's so many ringers in this movie like lucy punch is in it who i think is hilarious she plays eve draper who gets murdered um but the annoying laugh yeah there's just so many hilarious people in this movie just in top form and it's easy i think to do not easy but when the writing is is this good it's easy to shine i feel like and i think too when you look at nick um or Simon Pegg's individual output outside of the Cornetto, Cornetto trilogy and also Edgar Wright's individual output yeah. outside of this trilogy, they bring out the best in each other because I think Edgar Wright is a master of, of, of style. And I think Nick 
uh, excuse me, Simon Pegg. I keep saying Nick because that's his character's Nick name Frost in the movie. But, too. Yeah. And then there's Nick Frost. Um, Simon Pegg two. is hilarious, but he's unfocused, I think. So I think when they work together, they yeah. really just bring out the best in each other. And I hope they make more movies together because the three that they've made together with Nick Frost are all so good. It's and I had seen the other two and liked them. I don't know why I hadn't seen this one. It just kind of, it didn't, just didn't happen. And then I kind of forgot about it. And now I'm like, I waited 15 years to see this uh, masterpiece. I love Nick Frost. Yeah. He is just the best sidekick ever. Mm-hmm. And that one scene in the pub where they're becoming friends and partners was so perfect. Yeah. It was it was so good that just that the whole way that happened and unfolded was so great. I love how um, uh, Angel uh, doesn't, he, he never like loses his moral compass. He's like mm-hmm. a good cop and a good cop to the end, regardless of how everything blows up. I thought that was perfect. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The characterization is really strong. So when he changes, all he is doing really is just opening up his heart a little bit. He's not changing yeah. who he is. He's just letting the town yeah. and, and you know, his new friend in. The, um, the twist was so great. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see that coming. Um, I want to go back and rewatch again, like you said, because you pick up on things, you know, I'm sure a second, third, fourth time with a different perspective. Like, I'm sure I missed a ton of references and, and foreboding. The way that the crossword puzzle interaction with Joyce eventually came back in that shootout on the street was hilarious. And Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I wonder how many other things I didn't pick up on because I've only seen this once. Sure. And I love when you mentioned the twist. I love how they bait you into thinking it's the obvious thing, the financial, you know, real estate thing. And instead, it's the most ridiculous, over the top, (laughs) stupidest thing possible. And that's the actual twist. Is just so perfect that they just crusty jugglers, you know, they want to get rid of the uh, <laughs> people who make the town look bad. It's just hilarious to me and so perfect. It's just pointing you in one direction and taking you a different direction. Yeah. So I, I, I started looking around because I wanted to know, like, you know, it's just like production uh, trivia. And I, I found this on Wikipedia that the first draft took eight months And after watching 138 cop-related films for dialogue and plot ideas and conducting over 50 interviews with police officers for research, the script was completed after another nine months. The title was based on the various two-word titles of action films of the 80s and 90s. In one interview, Wright declared that he wanted to make a title that really had very little meaning, like lethal weapon, point break, executive decision. In the same interview, Peg joked that many action film titles seem to be generated from two hats filled with adjectives and (laughs) nouns, and you just say, okay, that'll do. While writing the script, Wright as well as Peg intended to include Frost as the partner for Peg's character, Frost revealed that he would do the film only if he could name his character, and he chose Danny Butterman. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Nick Frost is a really interesting guy. So last time I was actually in England, we were um, in the Cotswolds, which is in the countryside, and I went to a little used bookshop and I bought his uh, memoir, and it's fascinating. I would, I'll loan it to you. It's great. Uh, he talks about how he never intended to be an actor. Hmm. He was a waiter at a Mexican restaurant in London, which, by the way, Mexican food in the UK is terrible. Never do it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he was a waiter. He made friends with Peg. They became roommates. And Simon Peg thought he was a really funny guy. 
and he'd never performed before. So when they started the show Spaced, where Edgar oh, Wright yeah. and Nick Frost, that was their first TV show on the BBC, they brought Frost in to play Mike, a character on the show. He had never acted before, so they lied about his resume to say that he had performed before. Oh, he wow. Had, he had never been on a TV set. He had never acted in front of a camera before. And he was on the BBC all of a sudden. Um, and he's a fascinating guy. He spent a big chunk of his youth in a kibbutz in Israel, just trying to find himself. Uh-huh. He, he's very, I don't know. I would really recommend his book. It's a really what beautiful, a crazy story. Read. Cause he's a great actor. Oh yeah. He's a natural. And, and he, I, you can see why they wanted to sneak him into their project. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I read Simon Pegg's because I read Nick Frost. I'm like, well, and Simon Pegg, it was really interesting, different. Cause Simon Pegg didn't really give up anything about himself. You know, it was very yeah. removed and Nick huh. Frost just laid it all out. So I'd really recommend reading that. Timothy Dalton was hilarious. Sure. And playing against his bond sort of image. Oh my gosh. Um, So I was reading some stuff about that. So they were really pumped up when he said he would, he would do it. Um, He said that hot fuzz was the most fun he has ever had working on a movie, uh, which is obviously saying a lot because he's been in some incredible films, James Bond. Um, the idea of Skinner having a mustache wasn't in the original script. Dalton came up with the idea in reference to his performance as uh, Prince Baron in Flash Gordon, thinking that a mustache would help to add an extra layer of sleaze to Skinner. And I thought it was it was perfect. Just perfect. And and that shit eating grin at all times. Just right. Like... When he's standing next to the photo of him yeah. with the shit eating. grin, Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. And then when he impales himself on the the the, the oh, little mini village, and he's still screaming really about it. The fact that that whole like that that fight scene that just seemed to go on forever ended on the model village was so great. When I was so okay, I was just speaking about this trip to the Cotswolds. When we were in the Cotswolds, I got so excited because we vill- visited a village that had a mini village in it, and inside the mini village was a little mini village of the no. mini village. And I took so many pictures and I sent them to everybody. I'm like, look, and nobody knew cared and knew what I was talking about. Is that, is that a thing that they do there? Yeah, oh, apparently. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I was huh. extremely excited when I saw it because I'd seen the movie so many times and there it was very British. Oh, that's awesome. So how many times do you think you've seen this? I would say at least 10, possibly more. Wow. It's just one of those when we like just need something that make us feel yeah. good. It's an easy one to put on. Yeah. We always like it. My wife loves it as well. So this is her favorite of the trilogy. It's mine as well. I like the world's end a lot too. The third one, I relate to the sort of this themes of middle-aged men coming to grips with their yeah. sad lives. But um, <laughs> so my wife doesn't like it as much as me, but this one we watch a ton. This is like yeah. the good one to watch on vacation or on a Friday night when you want to have a glass of wine or beer or whatever yeah and it is one of those movies that i like to have movies playing in the background when i'm cooking or just cleaning up and you don't feel great about what you're doing and you're like i need something mm-hmm. to put me in a good mood even if i'm just walking into the room every 10 minutes and i just hear a couple lines here or there this will definitely go on that list that's great to hear i was hoping you would like it i would honestly i would feel a little sad if you we would end the podcast if this is no, the last podcast. But I'd make you watch it again with me. No, it's so good. And Bill knew I would love it too. So I, he's watched them all and he loves them. I feel safe to say you would recommend this to other people. Yes, I'm gonna watch it again soon because I, I wanna I wanna dissect the entire movie. 
Yeah, and there's just so many jokes too that you're laughing too hard the first time you see it to catch yeah. the follow-up joke. Yeah. And so I think you're going to enjoy that as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. Loved it. Good choice, Nick. Thank you. I uh Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I feel bad because I didn't like your last one as much as you liked this one. But That's all right. You probably won't like the next one either. Uh what is the next one? Ordinary people. So we're going from one laugh fest to another laugh fest. It is. People are going to get. Know, I'm not going to say anything about it. I I don't want to. I don't want to give away how I feel about this movie. But okay. it did win a couple Academy Awards, and it's got a great cast. And Robert Redford directed. And uh, I'm surprised you haven't seen this yet. Okay, you haven't I'm... avoided for any reason, right? No, it just came out when I was three years old and yeah. I just never got around to it. So, yeah. yeah, the movies I sought out that came out when I was younger, I've tended to seek out ones that are funnier because, you know, or yeah, you've just funnier ones mostly. Like yeah. I, I haven't watched a ton of movies. That's not true. I, I, I've watched a lot of movies, older movies, but most like the greatest ratio of movies I've watched are ones that came out when I was a teenager or later. I've watched a lot of movies from 60s and 70s and I've watched a lot of movies overall but you see what i'm saying yes so, i totally get it i don't always want to revisit and also the pacing on older movies especially serious ones sometimes is problematic for me just because uh -oh. you know we're used to faster paced movies even when they're slow movies now they're still faster paced than the slow movies in the 70s yeah or it's 80s be... this is like 81 right this is one of those that's all i'll say i mean you know you know a little bit about this movie i do i do know that robert redford directed it i know that it's supposed to be sad it's very sad. That's what I know about it. All right. I look forward to watching it. You know, it's good for me to expand my horizons a little bit and watch older stuff. Yeah, I think we'll um, I think we'll agree on a lot um, when we talk ordinary people. So instead of ending on the world's most depressing movie we're about to watch, let's do something more fun. I, I was curious in the movie, Nicholas Angel is the most successful cop in London and they ship him off because he's too damn good at his job. Angelica, you work at, uh, you know, a high level, big market station, you know, medium, big station. You're, uh, you're, you're functioning at a high level, but they come to you and they say, Sinclair says, Angelica, you're too good. We're sending you to small town. We're sending you down to our station in Medford. I mean, Medford's not the best choice compared to like Sandford in the movie, but you see what I'm saying. Do you go? Are you interested in this? No, that, that's when I explore my options and maybe go work at a bar because that's one of my, I would love to do that in my encore career, like a bartender. That would be a fun job. A nice cocktail bar, not like, you know, slinging beers all day. Yeah. I think that would be, I'm always jealous of men and women who can make you a cocktail that is just fantastic and makes you so happy. So yeah, I don't think I would do that. I don't, I, I mean, I've, we've toyed with the idea of moving back to Missoula in our life because we love Missoula and we have family there. And I don't think I could go back to market 2000. <laughs> 2000. What was the size it of the market well you started be. in? Missoula. Oh, that's where you started? 176. Yeah. That's not a bad starter market though. I, it's better than Pretty like small. Coos Bay or Roseburg. I mean, at that point, the number doesn't really mean much. They're just all super small market, not a lot of resources. There's no money. You're working with kids right out of college. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I could go back there at my age. I just, mm, no, I've been there, done that. Sure. 
I have thought about that too, because, you know, my wife is an attorney and she works in Portland, but for whatever reason, unless you get some crazy offer to go work somewhere, yeah. like, could I ever a go back in news? I don't know. But if I did, I'd probably want to do it in a small town because there's less pressure and there's fewer shows, Yeah, and, you know, less time to fill. And I, my skills would Oh, you would be the biggest fish in the smallest pond and they would be so happy. That's my life's ambition is, is to, you know, really swing my fish, fish. my fish around. And, uh, (laughs) no, I don't know. It depends on the town. I think like it it depends on the town. What if it's a cute little town? Like, you know, Missoula is a cute little town. Yeah. It's kind of like bend. Um, it's, it's fun that, but it's also those cute little towns are super expensive and those news jobs don't pay anything so that's true if if you could do it as the secondary salary where you you know it would wouldn't be a problem supporting your family then it could work but i also think the stress of i mean you knew the stress of working in portland Mm -hmm. news we both worked on the morning show together when you get a new person you're having to train the person and do your job at the same time it's probably like that only much worse yeah because you never you, it's the turnover is such that you never yeah. stop teaching. Although you have been working in teaching for so long and you've been mentoring students. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. It would kind of be the same thing. Yeah, but you you help. Well, I mentor. Yeah, I mean, I mentor kids a little bit in sports productions yeah, primarily. That's what but I'm like. About. I only see them once a week at most. Yeah. Not every single day while I'm trying to get something else done. I think you'd be good at it. Well, thank you. But I am going to stay in uh, Portland. Yeah, me too. Like the Vancouver here. school district's not going to exile me out to like Yelm or something. I'm not I going. like it here. And if I do switch jobs, uh, I would like to work at the garrison in St. John's because those bartenders are amazing and they create magic. Okay. Let's get them on as sponsors. Seriously. Do our live podcast uh, from there. Mike at the garrison in St. John's is just, he's an angel on earth. So if I had to do something else, totally unrelated to my career, I don't think that would be the worst thing to work at a bar or restaurant. I mean, I know it's stressful. That's the thing, too. I, I don't have much stress in my career anymore like you do still. So like a bar for you stress wise would probably be a lateral move as far as just the yeah, stress of it. Just the anxiety. I, every day. Yeah, anxiety. I would yeah. have that would be a problem for me. So I don't know. I'd probably like to coach basketball. It's probably what I'd want to do. Yeah. I mean, you a- talked about how your favorite job was uh, working at basketball camp, right? Yeah. I mean, most schools, what they want to do is hire a mid 40s man who's never coached anyone above the age of eight to coach their varsity basketball team. That seems pretty common. It's a straight pathway into the NBA from there. You could do one-on-one lessons. We're paying someone to give my son a basketball lesson once a week, and it was really hard to find someone. You could send, we should talk. You can send them to me. Yeah, let's do it. All right, I just hired you. Whacked my mic. Yay! (laughs) My first paying client. See you later, school district. Uh, Will I see you next week? Yes. Then let's do it. Yeah. I don't know. That was a weird way to say goodbye, but that's what I just did. Film Swap is produced and hosted by Angelica Thornton and Nick Vole. You can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow Angelica on Twitter at AngelicaKATU and follow Nick at Nick Vole. Share your thoughts on the films we discussed there, and we might just read them on the show. Music by John Michael Farley and Nick Vole.